This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 and welcome to the WBBM Noon Business Hour, Monday edition. I'm Jim Goodis. The Noon Business Hour, as always, presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. And Chicago-based United Airlines is adding hundreds of daily flights as the travel industry continues to recover from the pandemic. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now the week ahead includes a release of minutes from the most recent meeting of the Fed, plus several earnings reports from key retailers, And we're joined by Peter Cardillo, the chief market economist at Spartan Capital Securities in New York. So what are you looking for in the week ahead, Peter? Well, the big event of the week, obviously, is going to be the Fed minutes. And uh, I suspect that, you know, we're going to hear uh, some uh, talk about inflation and uh, um, the Feds are going to uh, continue to point out that uh, they're not worried about inflation and that uh, Inflation is uh, a transitory uh, situation. Of course, you know, um, the markets might not be thinking that. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see until perhaps uh, the end of June, beginning of July, to see what the inflation numbers look like. And, of course, if you have uh, further hikes in in commodities or uh, salaries, that uh, uh, means that... uh, uh, the Fed could be wrong. And so uh, it's just a uh, matter of uh, waiting for now. And, of course, uh, uh, we have other uh, market indicators this week that uh, also we're looking at, and that is the uh, leading economic indicators, uh, which should, should, you know, confirm that the uh, economy is now uh, running on all cylinders and uh, the Philadelphia Fed index as well. So, um the big the the news remains ties to the Fed, and uh, of course this week uh, there are several Fed uh, members speaking, and we heard from Bostic this morning again, uh, basically saying, well, um, some inflation is a sign of uh, economic activity, positive economic activity. Is there any indication that we might have to let off the gas a little bit, or is it too soon to say that yet? No, I think uh, I think uh, it's a little bit too soon. Uh, you know, we've, if you look at the bond market, uh, obviously uh, rates have come down from last week's uh, highs, and uh, uh, so I think uh, uh, the Fed's uh, doing a pretty good job in uh, uh, down talking inflation. But again, it's uh, too early to tell whether or not it's uh, structural or uh, transitory. Anything else we need to watch out for this week as we watch the markets? Well, I keep close eye on gold um, and commodities in general. Uh, gold today is having a very strong day. It's up about $30 as we speak, and it's been up for the past uh, 
several sessions, uh, taking out some uh, near-term technical resistance levels. Um, and I guess if uh, you look at gold, you might say, well, uh, the stock market and the bond market is thinking one way, and gold is thinking another in terms of inflation. But I also want to point out the fact that perhaps maybe uh, the collapse in the Bitcoin today uh, might be taking some of that money might be uh, flowing into gold. And so uh, that could be another reason why uh, we're seeing some strong gains here. Peter Cardillo, the chief market economist at Spartan Capital Securities in New York. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up, United Airlines is now near the three-quarter mark of its pre-pandemic flight schedule. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Chicago-based United Airlines is gradually making its way toward the flight schedule it was running prior to the COVID crisis. And let's get more on that from Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul University here in Chicago. So, Joe, I guess you could say the skies are getting a little friendlier for United. Yeah, this is a big story trending this morning. We knew good things were happening on the booking front. The United announced we're setting 480, uh, 400 flights, actually, uh, and moving the O'Hare numbers to 480 daily flights, which is really a big boost of just a few months ago. We knew things were getting better, but this is a quite a, uh, you know encouraging development. Now, we're seeing the flights increase. We're seeing other airlines expanding their operations. Uh, things are looking good right now, but are we getting out of the woods yet, or, or is there still something that we should be concerned about in terms of air travel? Yeah, it's a great question. The reason people are taking notice of this is we know the, the big three network airlines, United, Delta, and American, they're so reliant on that business traffic, that corporate traveler who wants something different than pleasure traveler. And that market, of course, hasn't bounced back. So when United uh, shows this bullish uh, behavior, that certainly uh, takes notice. Now, they're still going to be down about 20% from pre-pandemic. So we're not uh, really anywhere near uh, where we were, say, in 2019. Uh, that said, you know, most of us predicted we would be at about 60-70% of pre-pandemic this summer. And the United's moving to 80, and Southwest appears even to be higher than that as a percent of pre-pandemic. So, boy, what a, what a change in just a few weeks. Now, I understand that even though business travel may not be coming back as quickly as some might have thought, that actually opens up some opportunities for leisure travelers, I imagine, to take advantage of some benefits if they're aren't as many business travelers as perhaps the airlines were hoping. Yeah, that's exactly what we're seeing. Uh, and Delta made some moves in that front. A few uh, markets where there's hourly service between business centers, say Chicago to New York and uh, you know Chicago to Atlanta, that sort of thing. And more uh, leisure market nonstops. And that's been something that's really helped uh, the ultra discounters like Spirit, Allegiant, and Frontier, who specialize in that. But we're seeing... Those kind of changes, you know, more services to Florida, more leisure markets. And Europe is, is sort of coming back, especially to the leisure destinations there like Dubrovnik and so forth. But today they're announcing, uh, uh, you know, some new flights like uh, East Coast to Frankfurt. And that's, uh, that's a classic business market. So it's, it's a mixed picture for business right now. And it's actually an opportunity, as you mentioned, with Dubrovnik, a, a chance to get some uh, quicker flights to places you might not normally. So there are some opportunities here that wouldn't exist necessarily pre-pandemic and maybe later on as we get back to a more normal state. Yeah, that's right. And the, uh, you know, they're also uh, not only adding some new routes, they're uh, putting in larger planes on those markets like the 
seven seven instead of the seven six seven. Those have the lay flat, uh, lay flat seats, you know, which uh, increasingly uh, high end pleasure travelers are taking advantage of. So we are going to see a different kind of airline emerge. Uh, the industry's uh, uh, pivoting to bigger planes again, which is a good thing both environmentally and for for leisure travelers who like those low fares. Uh, but uh, this summer there's going to be some pressure on capacity. Fares are are pretty high in some markets. Uh, the airlines love that. But of course, we're all we got maybe got a little spoiled with the low fares. That's for sure. Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Up next, a huge media merger, which will add fire to the streaming wars. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. AT&T has agreed to merge its Warner Media division with Discovery Communications, creating a streaming giant to compete with heavyweights such as Disney Plus and Netflix. And joining us live on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Tim Hanlon, the founder and CEO of the Vertere Group in Chicago. So first, Tim, your reaction to this news. Uh, Jim, how you doing? I, um, I, I'm uh, not shocked, but uh, frankly, a little surprised. Uh, I think the uh, industry chatter uh, over the last couple of weeks had been something similar, uh, but Discovery's uh, content uh, perhaps merging and melding with uh, the media properties of NBC Universal, uh, which is sort of part of the Peacock and NBC family. Uh, but the, the reality is that um, the combination of these two content engines uh, is a very smart one. Um, they're being, it's being done for two or three different sort of reasons, I think. But um, in essence, you've got uh, amazing premium content from uh, the uh, HBO Max side of the world now combining with uh, a very robust uh, and gigantic library's worth of uh, reality-type and lifestyle-type content from uh, the, um, the folks at Discovery Networks. So to me, on paper, this looks really like a strong, powerful content combination. Um, and in streaming, it may be actually something that vaults both of them together into the top tier of consideration for consumers. So they shouldn't be so concerned that they already had a few streaming services get ahead of them, especially during the pandemic. You, it sounds like you feel that the content that they can offer here gives them a, a unique and strong position to play in these streaming wars that we've seen. Well, you have to be careful because your, your head may snap when you keep going back and forth with all these sort of launches and stuff, right? So you could be forgiven as a consumer if uh, you're just getting up to speed with the fact that there's this thing called HBO Max, which literally just launched about a year ago, or this Discovery Plus thing, which just launched literally a couple of months ago. Um, you know, everybody's been run, running headlong into streaming. And um, I think both sides, again, for different reasons, recognize that, um, you know, Netflix is everybody's first choice. Amazon Prime is kind of everybody's uh, first, uh, second choice. And I think Disney Plus and its variations with ESPN and Hulu is probably everybody's second or third choice as well. So those top three services are probably the strongest consumer propositions out there in streaming as general entertainment propositions. I think when you look at what HBO Max and Discovery's uh, services now combine into, and it remains to be seen, by the way, whether this combines into one newly named mega streamer or if these two separate brands will still live on. But regardless of how they combine, I think it's fair to say that now we'll have, I think, the top four. And I'm, if I'm 
Peacock from NBC or Paramount Plus from Viacom, CBS, uh, I have to be looking in the rearview mirror now and figuring out where, where else now, where do we go to kind of get to the same top tier? It will literally be interesting to watch. Tim Hanlon, the founder and CEO of the Verterra Group in Chicago, thanks for joining us. The second half of the WBBM Noon Business Hour presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. I'm Jim Goodis, making headlines right now. The Supreme Court agrees to hear a controversial case from Mississippi that could affect abortion rights in this country. If you're applying for a credit card, you may wonder if you should first improve your credit score. And it's Stock Picker Monday, and we'll get a recommendation from an investing pro. Right now on Wall Street, the Dow is down 137 points, the S&P 500 down 26, and the Nasdaq is down 142 points. The Supreme Court agreed today to consider a major rollback of abortion rights, saying it will decide whether states can ban abortions before a fetus can survive outside the womb. The high court's order sets up a showdown over abortion probably in the fall, with more conservative justices seemingly ready to dramatically alter nearly 50 years of rulings on abortion. The case involves a Mississippi law that would prohibit abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. That case is separate from a fight over laws enacted by Mississippi and other states that would ban most abortions as early as six weeks when a fetal heartbeat may be detected. The Supreme Court first announced a woman's right to an abortion in the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. I'm Julie Walker. The Associated Press is calling for an independent probe into an airstrike by Israel that blew up a Gaza City building housing the news services reporters and other journalists. The Israeli military claims the building housed a Hamas intelligence office. AP executive editor Sally Busby says the agency had no indication of that. And Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says the U.S. has asked for Israeli justification. I've not seen uh, any information provided. But Blinken noted he will not discuss specific intelligence. Israel says it's putting together evidence. Reporters without Borders is asking the International Criminal Court to investigate the bombing as a possible war crime. Sagar Magani, Washington. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are sluggish today, and we're joined by Jim Welsh, the macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios out of San Diego. You can check out his website at macrotides.com. So your take on how the markets are looking on this Monday, Jim? Well, Jim, I think basically the market got fairly oversold, uh, you know, in the middle of last week. And, uh, you know, we got some negative inflation news. Uh, The retail sales number, I think, actually was a plus. Because Chairman Powell has been saying, hey, we, we're going to be patient, we're going to be patient. And on one hand, yeah, you got worse than expected inflation. But between the jobs report a week ago and last Friday's retail sales, you know, it kind of creates, okay, they, they're on top of it. It's working. So I think that's a plus, And I do think the S&P is going to make a move uh, to an all-time high over the next handful of weeks. Um, but I think after July 1st, uh, Jim, I think that could become more problematic for the overall market. So let me ask you to kind of expand on this. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, rising prices. We've seen job numbers. We've seen all of these various factors. How concerned should we be about regulating, you know, what's going on here? I mean, do we need to take the gas off a little bit or are we fine? Or what would you recommend in terms of how we proceed here to 
you know, make sure we, we keep that delicate balance uh, balanced. Yeah. Well, it, you know, again, some of the recent proposals to increase more spending by almost $4 trillion after a 6.4% first quarter GDP, a potential 10% GDP, you know, to me, if you want to put forward those ideas based on what their own merit is one thing, to present them as, oh my gosh, we got to save the country. Hey, wait a second, we're well on their way to recovery. And that's some of the problems I think is going to emerge in the second half of this year, Jim, is that inflation is going to continue to push higher. Headline inflation might dip uh, just because of the base effect thing. But I think core inflation driven by services, rents and so forth, that's going to continue to climb in coming months. And when we get into July and August, we're going to see million plus job month growth. You know, now that the country's reopening, um, I think pent up demand is going to really express itself as we get past July 1st. And it's going to show up in the numbers. So that, I think, is going to create a problem. I think the Treasury bond yields on the 10-year are going to go above uh, 2%. Um, and that is where some of the hurdles come, I think, for the, the stock market. What sectors in general should we be keeping an eye on uh, beyond those you've already mentioned? And are there any yeah. that are uh, like uh, something to keep an eye on for good reasons and ones sure. to be a little wary of? Well, the ones for good reasons is my uh, I've been recommending gold stocks and gold for the last uh, month and a half in anticipation that we were going to see this big jump in inflation met with a Fed saying we're going to tolerate it. And, you know, that just led me to believe that the narrative would switch and become supportive for the metal stocks and gold and silver. And I still think they're going to go a little bit higher. They've had a pretty good move already. Uh, interest sensitive sectors, I think, could be vulnerable. Uh, you know, utilities, uh, real estate uh, could be also, uh, you know, hurt by this. The reopening trade is, I think, where it really could be most pronounced. If I'm right about the 10 year going above 2%, that is going to have some um, economic ramifications. And we've seen a big, big rally in industrials, base materials, and so forth. So those are the sectors, Jim, that I think could be most vulnerable to at least a wave of you know, profit-taking because they've had such a good move up. That's Jim Welsh, the macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios in San Diego. You can follow him at macrotides.com. Up next, steps to take before applying for a new credit card. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Some people wonder about the timing of a credit card application in relation to their credit score. And joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Matt Schultz, the chief credit analyst at LendingTree out of Austin, Texas. So, Matt, what is the best way to time that? So you apply for a credit card with having as little, at least negative, impact on your credit score as possible. Yeah, it really is important to understand kind of what you want. And if you are planning on doing something big like applying for a mortgage or a car loan or something along those lines, it's probably not the best time to apply for a credit card because of some short-term impacts that that can have on your, um, on your credit score. But the truth is that applying for a new credit card can actually help improve your credit score. And it's really one of the easiest ways to make that move. So how is the best way to do that to, to, to maximize it, to make it the right time to apply for that credit card? 
Well, really, the the most important thing to understand is kind of what you um, what you are planning to do going forward. Um, so, if you like I said, if you're planning on applying for something and you're improving that credit score towards a goal, then you may need to take a little more time with that application. You may need to um, you may need to make some moves with your credit score, whether that is reducing your balance, whether that is getting more available credit, shaking up the mix of credit that you have. It really depends on your on your exact financial situation and what you're trying to do. Is there a big mistake or a couple of mistakes that that people make that maybe they just don't realize that they could do it differently and and come out in a better situation with their credit score? Yeah, one of the biggest um, one of the biggest things that people do is apply for too much credit too often. That sort of thing can really be damaging to your credit score. Not to mention the fact that it can be that can end up being hard to manage. But really, the biggest things that people do, the biggest mistakes that people make, are the simplest, and that's really about missing payments. Because people would be surprised at just how devastating a single late payment can be on your credit score. I mean, it is something, even if it's just the minimum, find a way to pay it. Because you might think, well, they're not going to miss that money. But you know what? That is, as you say, that is something that can really have a negative impact on on your score and, and how lenders think about you. Yeah, and really with technology the way it is now, there's no excuse for a late payment because it's so simple, whether it's through your card issuer or whether it's through the bank that you have your checking account with, to set up auto pay. And yeah, auto pay doesn't always work 100% perfectly, so you still need to keep an eye on things, but it's really important to leverage that sort of thing to make sure that you don't miss those payments. Matt Schultz, the Chief Credit Analyst at Lending Tree out of Austin, Texas. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate the advice. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Tim Grisky, the Chief Investment Strategist at Inverness Council out of New York. So, uh, Tim, what are your picks? Jim, good afternoon. Well, I'm going to uh, give you two mega cap tech plus names. Uh, I'm going to start with Facebook here. It had a just a blowout quarter. Uh, advertising was up over 42% year over year. Uh, this stock is now selling at a market multiple. Uh, so as an average gro- average stock on the stock exchange, I, in my memory, it's never been this low. And yet we're seeing uh, going out forward here in the next several quarters, revenue growth in the high teens to low 20 percentile. So this is really just a, a great story. Uh, you know, I think everybody knows Facebook and what they do, but it is really globally, especially overseas, the primary way that a lot of people communicate with each other. So it is just critical uh, in terms of uh, social interfacing. Uh, I can go on and on about their growth in, in various areas, uh, payments, marketplace, uh, which is their e-commerce and shopping um, uh, app. Uh, they've just got a lot of positives going on here. All right. What's your other pick? 
the other big cap here is Amazon, not, nothing like the biggest. <laughs> so uh, although this is selling at, at two times or so a market multiple, in my memory, it's never been this low either. And yet, again, quarterly revenue growth looking out, uh, at least in the high teens. Uh, you know, it's obviously known as the e-commerce giant, and we all use Amazon or subscribe to Amazon Prime, which also gives us streaming movies. But the real story here is Amazon Web Services, which is their cloud offering. Uh, there is so much growth ahead of us still with a cloud. Uh, this is the number one player. They've got some good competition, uh, but they get uh, they are growing more than the average company in the cloud. Uh, and, you know, the stock is down a bit here. Uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, when he uh, uh, stepped down from this chairmanship, uh, sold about $5 billion worth of stock. Uh, but we think that's really a, an opportunity here uh, to pick up a, an unbelievably great company uh, at a very reasonable price. That's Tim Grisky, the chief investment strategist at Inverness Council in New York. Great advice, as always. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. And a reminder that Stock Picker Monday is sponsored by the Wealth Management Group. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 